This is the Office Manager Diaries, a podcast all about the highs and the lows of professionals in office management around the world. We'll delve into their career journeys and diaries where they'll share their stories, tips for success and things only office managers understand. Enjoy and please remember to give us a follow. Hello everybody, welcome to the Office Manager Diaries. I'm here with our next guest, Jean-Paul Hewlett from Ethos Farm. He is the operations manager there and you're going to hear me call him JP throughout the episode because that is what he is known as and prefers to be called. JP, thank you so much for joining me on the Office Manager Diaries. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you for, for having me. Um, I've always wanted to uh, sort of do one of these podcasts. I think it's it's such a great initiative to share the collective experience of, of everyone and, and learn and gather that knowledge and, and for the betterment of everyone. So yeah, thank you for, for, for having me. Pleasure. I'm really pleased you can make it. Just before I hit the record button, I said to you that I'm really looking forward to getting mm. to know you a little bit better. And I do genuinely enjoy that element of the Office Manager Diaries and doing this podcast. So thank you for giving up your time because I know you are very busy. I can see how active you are on socials and you know I know you've got a team to run and everything so I'm really grateful for you for giving us some of your time today. So to kick off can you tell us a little bit more about you and your role at Ethos Farm and how you initially got into the profession? Absolutely so right now I'm the operations manager uh, I work for a company called Ethos Farm which is all about customer experience guest experience consultancy and so I'm based right now at Westfield uh, Westfield London W12. So I currently look after the three contracts here, which is guest services team, the reception team, and the car park team. And that's depending on the time of year, it can be a team between 50 and 100, uh, 100 people. And so it's, it's a large scale operation. We're working together with the center management here on site. We focus largely on the customer service element, you know, home to home customer journey. It's about people development it's about working with events teams activations the operation as a whole is is immense and we we take on board a lot of projects and i'm lucky to have such a a wonderful team to support me and, and work alongside me on this massive project that's here at westfield london how i got here is quite a long story because i used to work on cruise ships I started off as a photographer on cruise ships uh, and I worked my, my way up into management. I became an assistant manager on cruise ships and cruise ships is such a, a wonderful environment to sort of work on because you're in this closed environment, you know, traveling around uh, parts of the world, working with so many departments and uh, onboard leaders, captains, and just a vast array of, of managers. And so you learn so much. And I went on to become assistant manager for the photo department. Then I slowly moved into retail, which was even more fun, you know, chasing targets and sales and sales events and raffles and shopping shows. I had such an amazing time traveling the world. I saw 65 countries. I met my wife. I worked my way up into senior management. I became a retail manager on a couple of ships that I had a few contracts on. And then COVID hit which was devastating for the cruise industry. It just came to a halt. And that has a lot to do with the closed environment and the way a flu bug can travel around a ship. So yeah, the cruise industry just 
came to a complete halt. But luckily, I, I managed to get back landside uh, and I had a, an amazing contact here in London. Her name is Sally Ellington, who's a personal hero of mine. And I asked her if she... I was just going to say, I recognise that name, but it's, it's, she was at the awards, right, with you? Yeah, she, she came to me. Yeah, I was just thinking, I recognise that name. <laughs> yeah, she was there at the Office Management Awards when I, when I got Manager of the Year last year, which was such an amazing night for all of us. And yeah, so when I came back landside, I reached out to her and I said, do you have anything available? And she said, come and see me next week. And I, I came to her, her headquarters down in Hampton Court, had a quick interview, and she offered me a team manager position here at Westfield London. And that was February 2020. And then March, we went into furlough and lockdown. And the lockdown had its, its own challenges, but the center shut. It was minimal services. The shops were closed. But then there was that period after the lockdown where we all came back to the center and sort of reopened the whole center. And that had immense challenges because suddenly our customer base, you know, and the, our guest that was coming to the center had completely changed. Uh, they were more worried about being out in public. They needed more reassurance. They needed a higher level of, of customer care. And that's where we sort of really excelled as a contract for the guest service department here, because we looked after the guests to such a, a large degree uh, and, and made a real success of reopening the center for guest services. And then we took on reception and, and we're now we've taken on, on car park. And I've been here now three years. Uh, I started off as team manager. Last year, shortly after I won the award for office manager from, from you guys, uh, I got promoted to operations manager and uh, 2023 has started and you know, things are looking really, really good for the year ahead. So yeah, that's just uh, a short story about me. I love it. And it, it's so nice to hear, you know, we've, we've talked about your award of um, winning manager of the year. And I met your wife, obviously, last year as mm. well, who is gorgeous and had no idea you met through your previous role. It's always nice to hear, you know, how personal relationships and professional relationships are introduced and get developed and, and the impact that that has. But I think in our awards clip, actually, of the, of the video of the night, the highlights, there's a clip of her. I think she's in tears, right? Because mm -hmm. she was so happy for you. Yeah. And it is so powerful, the impact that that can have, but also just hearing that you got promoted, which I don't know may have been as a result of you winning that award or perhaps, you know, the achievements you'd made before them. But the, the impact that these things have on this profession and already things like this podcast are having on people reconnecting with each other or connecting with each other for the first time in our profession is, is really amazing to see. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you've been doing this for, for the best part of three years then by the sounds of it. And you do have an awful lot, probably more than what we would consider the typical office manager to have, because in bigger organizations, for sure, there would be this, I suppose, what is your client services element of the role the receptionist element and then yeah definitely in in owned buildings you would be looking after the car parks and the security and you know all sorts of elements like that but what for you right now is the biggest challenge within your role uh, at the moment since stepping up as operations manager prior to that I was just a team manager and I, I managed the team and I'm now in a position where I'm managing managers, which comes with its own set of challenges. 
we've just hired a, a recently a new manager and we've got another team manager that was promoted. So when I was promoted, our, our wonderful team manager, uh, Warder, was also promoted to the official position. And when it comes to leading and developing staff on the floor, it's such a powerful thing to be able to embrace that. And so managing managers who then manage the team, uh, I, it has been a new challenge for me. And I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it because I've learned so much. It has a lot to do with having those difficult conversations and uh, turning around experiences. One of the things that I, I firmly believe in is if you want to have great customer service or customer experience, your employee experience has to be far greater. And so myself and uh, my fellow uh, ops manager, George, we, we really focus strongly on positive winning culture for our team. And that extends from our managers and all the way down to all our employees. And so it's, it's always a fun challenge to develop and work with different personalities. But your managing managers lately has been quite a tricky thing to handle, but we're definitely in the right direction and, and making a steadfast of it. I can only imagine I've managed line managers in the past, not quite on the scale that you've got in terms of the volume, but for me, and please share what makes it challenging for you, but for me, it's that lack of control. So it's trying to mentor and guide them to be a manager, but without trying to get them to be your doppelganger, right? And trying to be exactly how you would manage somebody yeah. because we're all very different, but also try and not, not have that toxic kind of management style and, and culture therefore embedded from it because some people can get a bit manager hungry and crazy when they first get promoted to these roles and it is a really tough job to do you have to be seen to be being continuously fair across the board right yeah. but you can't because every single person is unique is individual has their own needs they're doing different jobs potentially is that is that why you find it challenging as well or is, is there other reason yeah you know it's all about adjusting your approach because everyone everyone is different everyone has a different background everyone is raised different and so everyone is ultimately different and you have to adjust your your approach to suit that person you can't be so monetizing on on the way you come into situations and whereas a lot of us we do avoid micromanaging people. Having a sense of autonomy for your staff is vital for overall happiness uh, to be at work. When most of us are spending eight hours a day, five days a week at work, we should be happy when we are at work because that happiness will, will extend and have a ripple effect to everything you do and everyone you interact with. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, Sticking with you and your team now, you share loads of content on social media. We're connected and I've seen it for a while, particularly since we were first interacting just before the Office Management Awards last year. You entered, I think, with this video as well, didn't you, which the judges absolutely adored, showing yes. all the different um, elements that you cover in your role and how you manage and create that, that positive culture that you've just talked about. It all looks like so much fun. Who comes up with these ideas, with these initiatives, and how do you motivate your team or the managers to then motivate their teams to get involved? 
out of all the jobs that I've had in working on cruise ships was just so much fun because you build a sense of family on such a closed environment. And I really tried to bring that sense landside because, you know, on ships, everyone's living in, it's, it's almost like a college dormitory. Everyone's living together. So you're, you're bonding quite strongly and working together. You're exploring the ports and the countries together. And that, that really bonds a team quite naturally. But when working on land, you know, everyone's living far apart. They're traveling from different parts of London to be here. So I try to bring that element land side, sort of transferable skill in, in terms of leadership. It, this is an incredibly fun job to be here because with the, with the largest mall in Europe, we sort of have a prestige because of that. And, you know, I, I try to embrace the team to have fun at work. It's very important that we motivate them like that. So, yeah, we do all these things and we really, we sort of, it's almost like bragging on LinkedIn because we, we have so many fun activations and events happening in Westfield, London. Working here is fun, but even being a guest and visiting the center is such a fun experience because there's just so many things to do with uh, restaurants and we've got rock wall climbing and we've got putt shack and we have our atrium area which we also use for so many different activations in december we had ice skating so visiting the center whether you're a guest or whether you're working here is it is a lot of fun and you know myself and my team managers we try to think of ways to really reward and, and recognize the team. So when it's Valentine's, you were buying chocolates for everyone. When it's Easter, everyone gets an Easter egg. Christmas, we always have these parties, these combined parties for the three contracts. And then in terms of engagement, we, we create fun sales challenges. Who can sell the most kitty cars or who can sell the most Westfield merchandise? And, and we give them a reward and recognition. And you'll see on LinkedIn, I'm always boasting about my team and, and developing them. I, I spend, you know, even though our team is so vast between 50 and hundred, depending on the time of the year, I, I spend a lot of time getting to know them, you know, what they're studying, what their strengths are. I, I even know their full names and it's important to really get to know your team and then engage with them on their strengths. One girl who's studying criminology and, and is so interested in that. So then we tie her objectives in with, uh, the security on site and, and we have another girl who's studying sociology on the site so then when she's here we work with her and give her some community projects so the level of engagement is really catered to each and every team member that we have and you'll see on LinkedIn we do fun things it was it was raining one day and we we have I saw this one. This is one of my most memorable. Yeah, please tell us. Please tell us. And we, ha we have a storeroom full of merchandise of Westfield umbrellas. And I just said to the client, uh, the guy I, I report to here on site, said, can I just grab some umbrellas and we'll just go and, and hand them out to people walking in the rain without umbrellas. And he was just like, yeah, go for it. And I grabbed a couple of team members, hyped them up. I made them feel like this is going to be super fun. And off we went. And the response to that video alone and that um, little stunt we did, which was uh, very last minute, very spontaneous, had such a far reaching effect in terms of it went right up to the top of, of the Westfield client and things like that. Because at the end of the day, the team are standing at the desk providing customer service for eight hours a day. If you're doing that five days a week, you're going to get a little frustrated, a little bit bored. So it's important to throw in a random fun element, take them and do something different, 
have them be involved in uh, whatever projects you're working on or whatever ideas you have, brainstorm them, get them done, and then self-promote yourself uh, for the service that you provide and the things that you're doing, because, you know, why not? We have fun here, and I, I want people to see that we're a fun team, we enjoy working together, and we enjoy the customer service element. Uh, more importantly, we, we enjoy the employee experience. Absolutely. And it's it's funny because typically in office management roles, you're in the office and you may have the reception elements. You may be interacting with members of the public, but they're not your average Joe members of the public, let's just say, who are people off the street engaging. So it's got to be so much tougher, particularly for your, your client customer service people, like you say, being on that desk five days a week where you're really not in control of what's coming in typical office management roles we say regularly we're not in control of what's coming day to day we can't control the weather we can't control the people and we can't control the assets in the building so there's an awful lot that can happen at any time but when you're dealing with the people elements the to the level and the numbers that you are there has got to be so many challenges that are thrown with that and, and a continuational need for you to be able to motivate the people working on that desk because I can imagine they're met with abuse sometimes by by yeah. members of the public and all sorts of things that must really knock them and get to them day to day. Yeah, no, absolutely. There, there are definitely a lot of sudden challenges that will present themselves. We do provide a lot of training and, and one-to-ones with our team to make sure that they have the skills to be on the desk and and a a lot of that is problem solving uh, and being resilient take control of a a situation and provide that customer service resolve the issue and then bounce back and continue to work with with a smile on your face i'm happy to say my my team are incredibly good at that incredibly incredibly resilient my team here you know they they vary in age I've, i've got a lot of part-time students on flexi contracts Uh, they're sort of very new to the workforce so there's the element of coaching them teaching them good work ethic teaching them how to handle yourself and present yourself and then I've got staff members who have been here 10 years 12 years who are so great at solving issues and when you've got that knowledge resource you have to share the experience resolve any issue and turn around any negative experience that might happen in the center, turn it around and, and make it a positive one. And that's whether it's for a guest who's had probably maybe a negative experience in a retail store and just turning that experience around or our own staff who's been maybe facing a, a difficult customer and feeling a bit down about that. And so, yeah, it's about bouncing, helping, helping them bounce back, get back on top, which is why Whenever there is an instance where a team member will show great customer service and will go above and beyond, that we really focus on that and celebrate that to a large degree, you know, by um, sharing sharing that with upper management, sharing that on LinkedIn, sharing it with the wider team on WhatsApp, you know, making that person feel like when they do a good job, that they feel like they've been appreciated for it, and and it's a great a great thing for them yeah and it's really important I expect you personally can pull on a lot of your experience from the cruise ships as well there in terms of the resilience which is a huge quality uh, needed in these kind of roles in these office management roles as well because you are the person or the, the the people the team that 
takes the brunt of of a lot of of um, pressure points and stress and issues and mm-hmm. lows and woes and concerns. So I really I really think there's probably a lot about you that has helped that team to become resilient as well. So what drives you and what gets you up in the morning in relation to this job? I mentioned my wife earlier and prior, before I joined cruise ships, my my life in London was a very difficult one. You know, I was stuck in a job. I was stuck in a, in a, in a company five years. I just couldn't progress. There was no one that was guiding me. And so I taught myself photography and applied for cruise ships and just left for America. And uh, I just thought, I'm just going to go travel. At that stage, I didn't even think about management. I didn't even think about, I wanted to be a manager. I just wanted to uh, travel. I was 28 at the time. So I just want to travel, take some photographs, have a good time, see see what cruise ship does for me. Uh, And I met my wife, who, after I met her, she, she really gave me a new sense of motivation. And we traveled and worked together as photographers first. I proposed on the ship. Then we did another contract together. Then we got married and joined back ships again as, as retail. And I'd worked myself into an assistant management position. And then we decided to join retail in which I had to drop down again to just a, a regular sales clerk. And so I, I worked my way up into management and my wife was my my biggest champion my biggest cheerleader she helped really push me and keep me motivated and keep me on top and I worked my way into a leadership position I found I had such a talent for leadership and for bringing people together sharing a vision getting a goal met and now that we're back on land we've got a beautiful baby boy who's almost two years old and every morning and every night when, when I'm with my family, my little family, they are my, my biggest, biggest motivation in life. And that's hands down, um, 100%, 100% true. I am such a soppy romantic. So when you said you proposed on the ship, I don't know if you saw, had this huge <laughs> grin on my face and I almost welled up because I'm the kind of person that cries in like movies. I might have only just watched the last... 20 minutes and it's the moment where the guy proposes and all this crap and I'm like oh just I don't know why the word proposal just gets me every time so um so yeah that's such a lovely story and it's also it's so important because often on on this podcast and often in life we talk about when we're specifically talking about work and what gets up in the morning we do default to the work related element and it's actually really nice and quite refreshing to hear that it's something else that motivates you to get up in the morning and that drives you and that you've had someone who has had your back throughout your career. So yeah, yeah, that's really lovely. And congratulations on your, your baby boy as well. Thank you. A whole new heap of challenges there. Yes. <laughs> a whole new way of working. <laughs> yes, it is indeed. It's a whole nother job. Um, so now is the point where we ask you to share something from your diary, a, mm. a, you won't believe it, but moment, if you can, please JP. Well, you won't believe it, but, and this just goes to show how life is so, the journey to where we are is is so completely uh, subject to changing, but, you know, you won't believe it, but I'm actually a qualified stuntman for movies, uh, as well as a a, a trained ballet dancer. Oh, Uh, oh, I'm envious now. Growing up. 
uh, I did. I was a ballet dancer when I was 16. Uh, I actually joined, it's, it's even crazier, but I actually joined the circus when I was in my teenage years. Then I went on to do ballet and then I went on to do uh, stuntman work uh, all in, in South Africa, Cape, Cape Town. At the moment, you're probably aware that I'm, I'm not a stuntman. I'm, I'm an operations manager. So yeah, things, things really change from you know, the time that we're young to you know, now I'm approaching my 40s. And though I'm not a stuntman in the movies working with uh, Tom Cruise or whatever, I'm still extremely happy in the job that I do. So yeah, that's uh, a random fact about me uh, that surprises everyone. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And and the ballet side, do you still partake in any, you know, ballet dancing or anything? Because I, again, river dance, ballet, like Swan Lake and things, gets me, gets me. And I've just put my son in the last year or so into dancing because he absolutely adores it. And he's so good. He does his little pirouette and all sorts. And it's just gorgeous because he's four soon. Um, but yeah, so so tell us more about that side. Well, so I, I initially joined the circus. Uh, it was an after-school activity to just learn circus skills. And so I did that along with a little bit of gymnastics. And then I did ballet in addition on top of that for two years just to learn the discipline and the technique and to build strength and a great time learning to juggle and do backflips and just uh, fool around. Everyone else in my school was doing rugby and playing soccer. And I always aimed to be a little bit different. And so that, that was my after-school activity. Do I do ballet now? Only if I wish to make my, my wife laugh because, you know, I've, I've lost uh, a lot of the, the technique. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Do you still have the uh, the pointing out feet, like the penguin feet? Because I do, and I didn't do ballet for very long when I was little. And I still have that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when when I'm standing and doing um, sort of, we do a morning huddle here in mm. the atrium, and I, I still stand in that um, that position. Yeah, I do it a lot when I'm waiting. Like people look at my feet when I'm waiting for the train or something, and it's <laughs> um, you can't see me if you're on uh, listeners but I'm kind of holding my hands up in front of the screen so JP can see and they're kind of um what's the position 10 and 2 is it yeah it's just first position right yeah yeah I think we call it 10 and 2 here but yeah um where our feet just aren't close together they're just outside to the sides and um it's something very typical of of people who trained in ballet young to, to just stand like that so yeah Okay, so tell me now, what are your biggest achievements, your wins and successes? I know you are multi-award winning and Mm. um, you can tell us maybe a little bit more about that. But what else are your biggest wins and successes? I've always been so passionate about leadership. And so winning the award with yourself for manager of the year at uh, the OMAs was was such an incredible night. and, And what a feeling to be felt so accomplished and that definitely was a high because I'd worked so hard uh, at Westfield London and with Ethos Farm to all the projects we did and all the team management I did and we really last year we we hit all our KPIs we exceeded every target we drove revenue we really bounced back after the pandemic we collaborated on so many projects community projects events and activations we empowered um, individuals in our teams and we did such a huge amount of of success 
winning that award with yourself was just an absolute cherry on the top. My The first award that I won when I was still on cruise ships, it was an award called Talent of Tomorrow Award uh, in partnership with the Frontier Awards. And uh, it was this is how I actually met Sally because Ethos Farm had put together this Talent of Tomorrow uh, application process, a Talent of Tomorrow Award. My wife behind my back entered for me and said all these wonderful things. Love it. <laughs> my management style at that time, we were on, on cruise ships and we were we were hitting so many targets in a row and the team was so, had such a wonderful team on, on my cruise ship contracts out of Los Angeles. And so my wife entered this award and just thought, you know, why not? She saw it on LinkedIn. She just, I just entered, she wrote a whole bunch of lovely stuff for me. And then the next minute I got shortlisted as a finalist. Uh, my company, who was Dufree at the time, then paid for me to fly from Los Angeles on the weekend out to uh, Cannes, France, uh, to the awards evening where I won. And it was such a whirlwind of a weekend because I only found out on the Thursday that I was going. On the Friday, I flew out. Uh, Saturday was the event. I won. I met Sally. I drank a lot of champagne and a lot of free drinks. Uh, had such Rightly a great so. time. That same evening at 4 a.m., I had to fly back to Los Angeles and rejoin the show. 4 a.m.? Yeah. So I just... Were you drunk still? Uh, I, I sobered up uh, with lots of coffee, <laughs> um, slept on the airplane, flew back to yeah. Los Angeles. The jet lag was unreal. I mm. took me... My body didn't know what was going on because I bounced across the planet um, so quickly. But yeah, I won, returned to my team on board... Uh, the, the carnival inspiration and it was such a such a crazy crazy weekend really and that's really that, that was really the start of, of to lead on to something even greater definitely a, a highlight of, of my career was was that award and, and the one I won with you guys brilliant it's funny isn't it how I often think especially since having the business the sort of spider web as I call it like I'm the spider in the middle and everything on my web connects me to someone somewhere and if you trace it all back like the Sally piece you know if your wife hadn't put you forward and you hadn't been made finest and hadn't been sat where you were and all this kind of stuff you wouldn't be where you are right now and yeah. we wouldn't have met and I just think when you just take a moment to think about your own personal web and how everything's come together and connected in your life I think it's a really humbling place to put yourself in for just a moment and appreciate uh, you know where you are and how you've got there and everything tip for this week's episode is about being proactive there's so many ways in office management roles in which we can fully support our businesses by being far more proactive and having things at our fingertips to enable us to do that one of the simplest things that you can implement in your office, if the size of it warrants it, is housekeeping checks. Doing daily morning housekeeping checks of your office space to get ahead of issues for the day, such as hots and colds and reporting them to the air conditioning engineer, such as cleanliness issues, paper in the printers, coffee machines working and supplies all stocked up, milk in the fridge, and again, the cleanliness of the kitchen areas, as well as safety um, items such as fire extinguishers in the right places and not wedged open, um, or wedging open doors and signage all OK. 
door handles not falling off or being uh, getting loose, cupboard door handles, all these different things that you can look for, lights out, you know, the obvious ME, the mechanical and electrical pieces as well that you can then report to your engineering team. That is one way of being really proactive and getting ahead for the day and also being very visible with that because if there are people in the office when you're doing that check, they'll notice you doing it every day. And if you have got a team, delegate that between them so that there are different people doing it each day so no one becomes complacent when doing it because that can happen quite easily. If you're in a really small space, I would maybe do it once a week. Um, if particularly you can see most of your office from your desk, as an example, you might want to do it once a week and record it. And that ticks some boxes with health and safety as well. Other ways in which you can ensure you're being proactive is to make sure that when people do bring issues to you or there are actions that you need to take in order to fix things or put things in place, that you are providing proactive updates to your employees, to the staff, in order to prevent them from chasing you. So making sure that even if there is no news to really tell at a suitable time frame, you are letting them know, oh, I'm still on the case with this and I haven't forgot about, forgotten about you and you know, it, it will happen in a few days or whatever it might be, but proactively updating and communicating effectively to people. Also then being really proactive in terms of things like what I mentioned in an episode a few um, episodes ago, which was the management information pack and sharing your wins and successes, sharing um, data or specifics on what you and your team are doing, and um, putting information at your fingertips like your supplier's contract tracker. So it's got all the start and end dates of contracts that are in place, but also all the contract, all the suppliers or vendors that you use across your business so that you can really see at ease, at a glance, who does what for you, what their contact details are, perhaps what you spend with them on a per annum basis. And yeah, again, whether you have a contract with them or not, what the start and end dates of that are, notice periods and things. So everything just becomes so much easier to manage day to day. So if you can carve out time to become more proactive, flip things on their head and take control in whatever aspects you can in these roles because we still have to firefight and it can be really really tricky to stay on top of a lot of that if we aren't taking the opportunity to be proactive when it's presented to us. I count myself very lucky to to be surrounded by the people that I've been surrounded and, and worked with over the years. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us about any tough moments that you've had, any of the lows in your career or specifically in your, your role at the moment as operations manager? Well, in my career, you know, um, it, it might be quite surprising to some, but about 10 years ago, I was, for a, for a living, I was washing cars. I had the unfortunate experience of not doing well in university back in South Africa, I had to drop out for uh, many reasons. Um, you know, where I was a good, I was great in high school and school, I was a good student, but university was, was a struggle for me. And so I, in 2008, I had to sort of leave the university and just enter the working world. In 2009, I decided to move to England because my parents are originally British. Uh, so I have, I had the passport, so I thought, why not? I'll come over, work with my sister. 
uh, live with my sister and try find work. Coming over, I had very little job prospects. I had no qualifications other than being a stuntman. I had a diploma in stuntmanship and I really struggled. My, my very first job in the UK was in the summertime and I, I, I traveled around in, with the funfair and I would build the Helter Skelter and the Gallopers and travel around a little red caravan around England. That was my first job when I, when I came here. After that, I got another job selling gas and electricity door to door in Coventry, which I didn't, I didn't have the stomach to be able to knock on people's door and sell them like that. But then I did land a job with a, quite a, a great car club company in London, and I was there for five years. But my job, I only, only washed cars. Uh, I worked alone. I washed cars and fixed wing mirrors and drove around in a van. And those five years were okay because I, I could provide for myself, but I, I suffered greatly with confidence and self-esteem. And I, I went through a lot of mental health struggles, had some bad relationships. Uh, and it was, it was a very low, low point in my life. Eventually after five years and five winters of working outside, I just, I just had to do something to change that. And that's when, you know, I taught myself photography and did, part-time jobs for magazines and, and little events here and there, and then went on to cruise ships. That was, those five years were a real, a real struggle for me, a real low point. And it's, it's actually hard to think back of who I was back then to, you know, who I am now. Uh, I still struggle with that kind of anxiety from, from my past, but you know, where I sit now, almost 10 years later, qualified now, I'm, I'm in a good place and a happy marriage. I've got a, a beautiful son. And so I, I did manage to turn around and I'm incredibly lucky. And that's probably one of the reasons why I work so hard. And I, I focus on, you know, the next generation of workers, which, you know, most of my team are between 18 and, and 25. And I can see there's a day-to-day -day struggle. And I, I'm motivated to turn it around for everyone, make everyone lead on to a better working life uh, are more fulfilled so yeah that uh presenting opportunities and if i would imagine it's sort of grit and determination that that mm -hmm. got you through that time right although looking back i have no doubt that you you like you say you still get anxiety about it and struggle to sort of recognize almost probably who you were back then yeah. and i think you know i'm i'm 40 this year and so in a very similar situation with a slightly older boy and I think sometimes it is that case of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I think a lot of people looking back, particularly around our age group, probably have moments like that where you just think, wow, like, was that really me in my life? And, you know, yeah. but it takes, it takes a certain person, I think, to, to keep going and to not let your surroundings and the people around you and the environment that you're in, you know push you to to that real real low point where you know you you literally sat there and said I don't want to do this anymore what else can I do and you retrained and some people unfortunately don't have that in them or don't you know have the opportunities or the people around them that can inspire them and, and give them the ideas and the motivation to to make that change um so yes we're lucky but also I think there is something internally in your drive and your values and your you know, motivations and morals that that pushes you to do that. And again, something that I would imagine has built your resilience. 
yeah. uh, significantly as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so how do you make your role a success? And are there any tips that you can share with people who are line managers, operations office managers, um, in in making their jobs a success? In in this day and age, it's really it has a lot to do with reaching out and, and focusing on on teamwork because you can never pull off anything by yourself. I I recognise my own strengths and particularly my weaknesses. And here at Westfield London, we have amazing managers in the car park team, amazing reception ladies, the guest services team are phenomenal. And then there are other departments, the cleaning team and the security team. So we're in a situation where we have a wealth of knowledge and all these resources. So making a success of any project is all about collaboration because you need people to tick off boxes to help you achieve a goal. Focusing on, on your own leadership skills, I found in my earlier years, particularly when I was you know, stuck for those five years, that I had great managers, I had you know, good people. They could do the admin work, they could do the paperwork, they could um, support you. But there was definitely a lack of positive leadership, exceptional leadership. Because anyone can be a manager, but it, it takes a certain... There is a big difference. It's funny because when you were talking about this earlier, I think the first few minutes or so, and we were talking about, you know, motivating the teams and, and your challenge around managing managers, there is a huge difference, like you, you were just going to say, between leadership and management, right? And yeah. a leader is someone who inspires and who gives the vision, which is what you were saying you, you tend to try to do. And a manager is much more, like you said, administrative and structured and organizes yeah. the tasks and so on. And you often find people can't be both. Yeah. They're stronger in one or the other. Do you find the same? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and at the moment, like I said earlier, managing managers, uh, it's a lot about teaching them and getting them to understand the difference between what management can do for you and what leadership can really do for you. What kind of manager or leader are you what's your style what are you doing to develop yourself to be a good leader for the betterment of the team so yeah i'm always about leadership on the first of march i'm doing a leadership talk at the pa show which i'm very excited about which has a lot of takeaway points and knowledge sharing which i'm really excited to i'm really excited for that so yeah to, to finish on this, what is in store for you going forward in your career? What, what are your ambitions from here? Well, um, well I've, I've always been ambitious. And when I, I got that thirst for leadership and, and what leadership can do and what results leadership can provide, that's when I was like, yeah, I'm gonna be a, I want to be a manager. I want to be, be in the hot seat. I want to be responsible. I want to take on these challenges and, and projects and I want to make a success of it. And even though I may make mistakes and, and failures along the way, it's all part of the process. So when I became a manager, I was like, great. Then I became operations manager. I was like, I really didn't expect that. You know, that alone feels amazing. Right now I'm looking after the three contracts, which is car park reception and guest services. Westfield is international. There's Westfields all over the country ethos farm itself is an, an amazing growing company 
and becoming extensively worldwide. So my career progression, I will definitely be staying with Ethos Farm because the opportunities are, are just there. You know, I could reach a point where I can be regional management where I'm looking after multiple sites. You know, right now I'm just Westfield, London, but next year could be a complete different ballgame and I could be doing more traveling and consulting because right now I'm very, I feel very validated in, in what I do and my experience is now backing up and you know, I can I can recognize that that will, will take me on to, to greater things. So when I met Sally and uh, she gave me this job and I started working closely with her and, and then I work right now with a guy called Darren, who's my director. and He's, he's an amazing um, support and a great leader and, and we bond so well. And so when I met these two and started working together, uh, you know, I said to them, I'm so glad that I've met an employee that I can grow old with, someone that I can dedicate my time and, and be loyal to. So, you know, I'll be an ethos farmer through and through for the next uh, 10 to 20 years until I retire. And there's a lot, there's definitely a lot of opportunity there for me to, to take up one. Amazing. And it's so nice when you find a company like that, where it just feels like home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I said this in my speech at the OMAs where I screamed, you know, I just, I love Mondays. And that is a very different <laughs> JP to many years ago where I just hated every day of the week. Um, and now I'm excited for Mondays uh, to come in and see everyone and, and work together. Well, thank you so much for being our guest on the podcast and for sharing your diary with us and some things I had. This is why I love it. I had no idea about your your background, particularly loving the uh, the stuntman and the ballet piece there <laughs> as well. So thank you, JP, for, for giving us your time and sharing your stories. No, well, yeah, no, thank you. I, I had a I had a great time talking talking about the highs and lows. It's it's important because people out there will also have lows, and they should feel like we all go through experiences. Yeah, absolutely. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Yes, exactly right. And we're we're here for you, people. We are here for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. This episode is sponsored by the Office Management Portal, our free online membership platform aimed at connecting, supporting and empowering office managers in a simple to use all-in-one self-service resource. You can sign up right now at www.theofficemanagementportal.com and click the sign up button in the top right. If you want to upgrade your account to our premium membership at any time for unlimited downloadable templates and monthly expert masterclasses, use the code THEOMD for 25% off. That's the T-H-E-O-M-D for Office Manager Diaries for 25% off. Thank you for listening. <laughs>